Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Wherever you find us, whether it's a video on YouTube or on your favorite podcast platform, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. You can also find us on major social media platforms where I give you a heads up about upcoming shows and which date and time they will be aired. If you go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, you can find links to the shows, MP3 files which you can download, or links to your favorite platform like iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and all other major sources. You can find information for upcoming and past talk show appearances as well as new book projects at MarlenePardo.com. You can also purchase books and merchandise there. And you can visit my author page on Amazon at Marlene Pardo Pelliser. Due to popular demand, I'm narrating my True Believer stories that have collected throughout the years in a new series called Supernatural Storytime. You can find links at SupernaturalStoryTime.com. If you are into classic horror, ghosts, and adventure stories, I narrate some of those at Nightshade Diary. And you can find links at NightshadeDiary.com. If you would like to read noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit the Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. I do want to thank you all for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How is everybody doing today? Good, I hope. I'm doing good. Uh, even though I, I know you guys are not going to, again, hear this for a little bit, we're here kind of mid-January 2020, and um, everything is good. Uh, like everybody else, you know, I, I'm resisting trying to do the the typical uh, New Year's resolution, whether it's uh, lose weight, exercise, blah, blah, blah. I mean, to be honest with you, I've had those all along, but the only one that I... I don't want to say I committed to, I just decided to end the procrastination on was getting rid of stuff, you know, things that you put away and you're like, oh, I could still use that someday, you know, whatever. And we decided, it was like, we, we made a hard and fast rule in the household. If we haven't used it for a year, and it's something like winter clothes, which, by the way, people in South Florida, our winter clothes will last about 25 years because, of course, we hardly ever use them. Outside of that, we made a hard and fast rule, and we're we're going that room by room thing. And it's if we're either donating it, uh, where if it's really just like just used, we're taking it to the to the dump. And as a matter of fact, uh, yesterday we put out. A big easy chair, a mirror, and a lamp outside, like on a curb thing. It was gone in half an hour. So to us, it's really good that somebody can make use of it. And that sometimes I think uh, when people start that that thing about, well, what do I do with extra stuff? You, you realize the, that you can benefit somebody if you don't want to give it to, you know, besides thrift stores. I mean, there's different thrift stores run by different entities. But there's a lot of people out there that... Um, that believe it or not, uh, as long as you know something's in decent shape, they can make good use of it, uh, and and that's what we did. It felt good, but yeah, that's I want to say of all the typical New Year's resolution kind of deals. Which, by the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the E word, and you all know what my E word is. It's called 
execute. Okay, execute, which is uh, after a while, you can only talk about it or think about it or plan it or take, you know, do risk assessment on it. You have to execute. And that's what we said. Okay, no more procrastination, execute. And if it turns out that, wow, we got rid of something that now we need, we'll just have to go get another one or rent it or whatever the case might be. But overall, so far, you realize almost like when you know when you move out of a place that you realize how much junk you have, stuff. And, we, and I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good about getting rid of stuff along. I'm, I'm not saying I'm a hoarder. On the contrary. But you'd be surprised how many things you put away, tuck away in the closet, in the drawer, back there behind the stuff. And you have it real neat. It's not like it's a mess. And you kind of like, and then time, like I tell everybody, like I said last week, it's 2020. Here we are. And you realize, man, this is, I'm not going to use this. It's in great shape or it's almost new or, or when I bought it, and you know that's another thing you know you buy something and you do this uh oh i'm gonna do this with it i'm gonna bake this with it i'm gonna whatever you know and then all of a sudden and, and, and it you know our ego does not want to admit <laughs> you 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 wasted your money you you either lacked commitment okay or it wasn't what you expected you didn't find out enough about it or you didn't figure it into your timetable of things and a lot of us have sometimes a difficult time with admitting I made a mistake I shouldn't have bought this okay or I thought I was gonna eat but it's not really what I thought we want to hold on to that no it's just you know when I have enough time I'll I'll do that uh, baking well, I'm using baking as an example whatever the case might be you know and, and, and by the way uh, this goes along the same lines it doesn't really and I, what is it the more the, the more costlier the item the harder we have a time like you know and i'm sure everybody's heard those stories about people that they buy those uh exercise bicycles or you know gyms and before you know it they're throwing their clothing you know it becomes the place to hang your stuff on so those things cost a lot of money uh and you'd be surprised uh in about six months Look in, uh, look in the wanted, all these wanted apps for people selling stuff. You'd be surprised how many of the, those you're going to find either being sold really, really cheap or being given away. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, that's what it is. But anyway, let's get down to the interesting stuff. And of course, you know what I'm talking about is who my guest is. And you guys are going to be super excited because we're going to talk about something that you guys like to hear about which is not only the paranormal but demonology and the guest tonight is a gentleman by the name of nathan gillis now he's an author researcher and a demonologist and he's been studying the paranormal and the epiphenomena for most of his life uh he's lived in a haunted house and of course we're going to ask him about that uh he spent 20 years researching what it was that he encountered there uh also he's the founder of the preternatural epi epiphenomenal philosophy uh, and he sought to redefine the nature of haunting, or the phenomena of haunting, ghost and high strangeness. He's often quoted for his concept of the demonic, as in the reason they are playing by different rules is because they are playing a different game. And we've talked about that before. Uh, so I know you guys are, you know, get comfy. You know what I'm talking about? Get comfy because, uh, or in other words, buckle yourself in for my... For my cowards out there, I know there's some of you out there. This is a part of the paranormal that you're going, oh, no, Marlene, don't go there. But anyway, how are you doing tonight, Nathan? 
I am very well. How are you doing? Fantastic. Anyway, I'm going to ask you what I ask all my guests. How did you get interested in the paranormal and then, of course, by extension into demonology, childhood experience as an adult? What happened? I moved into a house at the age of eight, and it was in Dayton, Ohio, because I'm a Buckeye. And um, okay. so I moved into a haunted house, really, at eight years old, and I would experience just tons of manifestations. Um, you know, I'm talking shadow figures. Um, there would be a dark cloud in the room at nighttime. It would just be hovering in the corner. Um, and so, you know, the, I, I really was approached by the paranormal. And before I even got into this, and I sought to experience and study the experiences of others to help me understand what it was that I experienced myself. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was eight years old. I had no frame of reference for what it was I was seeing and feeling and, you know, going through. Okay. And so that I, you know, I was also, my, my parents were also in the ministry. Okay. And my dad's a pastor. And so um, not only did I have no frame of reference, the clergy that I went to, my pastor had no frame of reference himself. And so that's how I got into this field. Let me, I take it, were you the only one having experiences? Yes. Right. Oh, yes. lucky you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Won the no. lottery on that one. Well, no, you know what? I, I, I hear about this, that there's a target person, you know, sometimes yep. even with, you know, phenomena that's not subtle. In other words, I've heard that uh, there's sometimes there's this one person who, for some reason, ends up being lucky you. Absolutely. Uh, so let me ask you, when you did you did, did your parents believe you when you told them what you were experiencing? I think that over a period of time, it was almost irrefutable. I mean, it was I mean, as an eight, nine year old kid. I, uh, I would have nightmares of someone committing suicide um, and taking drugs. It was all in black and white. It was the same nightmare. And I had no idea what drugs were at that age. <laughs> so, again, um, you know, but after, after a while, I mean, they, had, they really had no choice okay. but to accept it, the fact that I was really experiencing something that was otherworldly, for lack of a better term. Um, so, yeah, I mean, once I flunked two grades – and, you know, I would, I would stay up the whole night with the lights on because okay. I couldn't sleep. Yeah. It was so terrifying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that, you know what? Kids can fake a lot of stuff, but not things like this. And not for that duration. Not Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, do you think that was it, and I'm going to use a typical, was it intelligent or was it, residual as in you were just witnessing it or was it interacting with you it would interact with me and it would follow me i would <laughs> yeah i remember one time i was uh spending the night at a friend's house between church services on sunday and um i was in the, i was sleeping and i heard it begin to walk up my friend's stairwell and you could just hear the weight displacement and the creaking of the wood and i just <sighs> sat there crying my eyes out and you know it affected me deeply as a haunting would everyone should at least i mean it's you know it's a crazy phenomenon itself but that's what got me into this and for the last 20 years i have given my life to researching this and really shedding more light into this field was there a triggering event when you started seeing this or did it just start happening 
What's it just started happening. Absolutely. And I remember one night I, uh, I was a little guy and I, I saw a shadow figure staring into my room and it was at nighttime, but I could still see something that was darker than dark. And obviously, you know, we've all heard that in this field, but, um, it was staring at me. It had no eyes and it just, I just, I mean, it, it felt like he was looking through me. So the next day I get up to go to school and it was the winter time and I walked outside and I saw two footprints uh, in right by my window. Well, you know, as a little tyke, it's hard to understand the heights and things because, you know, we're kids. I was playing video games and I never even thought about how tall it was or how tall someone had to be yeah. to look past my window seal. So we're talking six, seven, seven, eight feet. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Okay. So, yeah, it, it, there was no trigger event at all. I, I remember being eight years old, and uh, <clears throat> at the open house, I was given a room. My dad told me, this is where you're going to be. And I saw a little girl underneath a bed, and she was hiding in fear. And that was when I, that was when I knew, okay, there's something with this house. Oh, so you, from the moment you guys <clears throat> went to look at the house, you saw that. Yes. So there was something there for, already to begin with. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It was resident. And it was malevolent. And I remember my dad, when my dad first realized, okay, you know, Nathan is really experiencing something, you know, he, he, be, he actually began to break down and said, you know what, he says, I really do believe that either something bad happened here okay. or someone died in this house. Right. And you, did you have any siblings or was it just you? Well, I had a little brother. Okay. Still have him. <laughs> and um but you know he was so young there's eight years and just uh years apart between okay. he and i okay but um so you know nine and ten years old yeah he was you know but yeah. he wasn't old enough to understand anything right. Uh, right. and for that matter neither was i and that's no. why i'm here to <laughs> no 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 you're absolutely right you're absolutely right um yeah and, and i know what you say but sometimes you'll have siblings that are close and they both kind of and it's really funny because like you said you'll have one one of them who sees and experiences everything and the other one's like what i don't you know nothing happens to them they they're like totally untouched by everything that's going on Mm -hmm. so how long were you living in that house we lived there for about let's say eight years i think that must have been a long eight years it was and but strangely enough that everything that i experienced there that haunting came to a head one night and I just got sick of it. I, I you know, I mean, I, I was wore out. Okay. I would, because I was staying up all night with the lights on, okay. uh, I would go to school the next day and I would fall asleep at school. <clears throat> I mean, it was just, it was catastrophic. So in other words, you never, as I've heard of people that, in other, you never got used to it. How's that? You Absolutely. Okay. Yep. And whenever, whenever it would enter my room, it would always make me feel like I was a little spot in space. Like it was so, so huge. That's what it made me feel like. Like I was completely meaningless in its presence. So do you now, and I don't know if you realized it then or after the fact, was this a human or a non-human entity? Um, well, that's getting to my demonology because I, I don't believe that we're dealing with non-human entities. Okay. At all. That's my position. We can get to that later. Oh, but no, 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 no. And I'm glad <laughs> because, and, and we'll, yeah, we'll talk absolutely about that because I know sometimes a lot of in the paranormal, if it's even any negativity is immediately written off to the D word demons or non, I right. use non-human because to me, it's sometimes it's like, okay, let's not, you know, 
uh, that yeah. not everything that's negative falls into that category right off the bat. Right. Um, right. So you what as a teenager one day what you just got fed up with the whole thing. <laughs> I, I really did. I mean, it, you know, at a certain point, your life just changes dramatically. Okay. And, you know, the depression, the fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was a paralyzing fear. So finally, one night, I, I couldn't take it anymore. And, you know, it, it was back again. And it, it was just intimidating. It was terrifying. And so uh, I went into the bathroom and I, and I just cried. I just collapsed and started bawling. Okay. Um, and, it, you know, and I finally, I just, I just said, you know what? I said, I can't do this anymore. And I said, God, I said, I, I don't, I said, man, I said, I don't know what else to do. I don't know who to go to. I, I can't talk to anybody about it. You know, a nine-year-old kid going through something like that, yes. uh, a lot of people will just kind of shrug it off and say, okay, maybe you're just depressed. Well, I, I finally, I said, you know what? I, I felt it actually walk into the bathroom with me. Yeah. And I was crying and praying. I said, you know what? I said, I'm done. I said, I can't do this anymore. I said, I don't know what the purpose of this is. I don't know why, and I, try, I talked to it too. I said, I don't know why you're here. I don't know what you want from me. But I said, you're stalking me. When I go hang out with my friends, you're there. I can feel you when I go, you know, like I said, I, a sleepover. I, you're you're so there with me. It was always around you. Yes, yes, it was always around me. And, and that night, something broke. And I didn't understand the, the width and breadth of it till later on in my life, but I felt just a complete release of energy. And it's like a negative attachment, a parasitic entity. You know, when it when it detaches itself from you, mm-hmm. everything changes in your life. Yes, it does. And everything did. And, that, and that's why I'm, I'm a survivor, as we all are who have experienced haunting phenomena. We are survivors. Yes. And I'm, I'm so glad to be a part of some of the most amazing people in the world. Did you ever see that little girl again? No, I did not. I did not. Um, it was very interesting though. She was a beautiful little girl. She had black hair and she was in a white linen dress that was mm-hmm. turn of the century. Okay. And, um, it was, it was interesting because I remember telling my dad, I said, man, I said, I saw a little girl underneath the bed <laughs> and he goes, what do you mean? I said, yeah, man. I said, it's weird. I said, she was really scared. She was hiding from us underneath her bed. And my dad was like, well, son, that was an elderly couple who passed away and they didn't have any kids. And then imagine that. Then I go, oh, maybe I should have told him that. <laughs> well, the, I mean, how old was that house? I, I really don't know. I, I know I went back to it about two years ago mm-hmm. and talked to some of my neighbors, and, you know, awesome people. But that house has not been able to it, – it everybody who moves into that house, like, lasts for maybe six, six months, seven months, and they're out. So and – and one day I hope to go back and maybe do a, uh, you know – a video okay. blog about it. Okay. Do you, and the reason why I asked about little girl was I was thinking, is it was this a little girl a real for real little girl or was it something oh. impersonating a little girl? Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so okay, you move out and what happened? Um, I still experienced high strangeness. Okay. I mean, I mean, really weird, weird stuff. I, we moved out uh, to a different part of Dayton, Ohio, and I remember one night. Um, something, I don't know if it was that same entity, but something came into my room and knocked a glass off of a bar stool I had in my room. And that was pretty traumatizing. I mean, out of nowhere, just you see something fly and break and shatter across the wall, you know. So, yeah. but, but that was it. Uh, after that, you know, little oddities would occur in my life, but nothing 
to that brevity. I mean, that was, you know, that was a profound experience that I went through. But um, so that's what really turned my head to this field. And that's why I, I've, I've studied, I've poured myself into the material. Okay. I've, I've, I've collected so many data samples all across the world. And, you know, it's a vast subject, but I'm telling you guys, it's, it, there's, there's a lot coming to the, the surface here in this year alone, 2020, that will revolutionize the entirety of the paranormal field. I, lo- I love to hear that because I want to say there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes yeah. to the paranormal. Uh, I'm not going to say it's all wrong. There's a lot of stuff that's accurate. And in some cases, it's been good in the way it's become a little bit more mainstream. But along with it has been a lot of misconceptions, sometimes willingly or, you know, on purpose or not on purpose that have been created. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, what we're talking about, which is discarnate, you know, human souls, spirits, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what happened? And I'm curious if you went to any place that either you knew was haunted or you found that was haunted, were you able to see things or was just, just something that between you and whatever that was? No, that, that actually did turn into a gift. Okay. Um, you know, that, that at first it was a curse, but you know, <laughs> later on in life, it was actually a gift. I, I can go into places and I have, uh, where I, I can tell it's haunted. Like I, I, like I get chest palpitations. My heart will start pounding. Okay. Uh, you know, I'll get a headache. I'll get nauseous. And especially with malevolent entities, okay. um, very sensitive to them. I, I mean, I had a case in a, in Dayton, Ohio, mm-hmm. where um, I was at a restaurant and somebody had called me and said, listen, you know, there was a murder at this house and we're having a lot of paranormal activity and we need you to, to come over and, and pray with us or, you know, do whatever you do. And, and I from and I, I'm not saying this is not me bragging. I'm saying that because of what I went through, like this helped me step mm-hmm. into a dimension of sensitivity that otherwise I would have never had but they invited me out and before I got there I had messaged the person back and I said okay I said I'm I'm at the house right now I don't know how I just am I said I'm walking up the steps I'm I'm going to a closet there's an entity in a closet upstairs in your inner room and she freaked out because she said I was just in that closet tonight I know exactly what you're talking about so it was that that gifting is has added a tremendous amount of value to my research because now I don't just have to rely on other people's experiences. Now I can have sample data from my own life. Right. Exactly. And yeah, that validation that sometimes I say, it's not whether even you capture any evidence. It's, you know, as long as you are like being truthful with yourself, let's say the audience of one that, you know, I know this is real. I might not capture it. Uh, Either like, you know, what they say, AVPs or, you know, none of the graduates that, God, there's so many of them now. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know. deep down inside, this this is not me making this up. This is not something that I'm ignoring a plausible mm-hmm. explanation for it. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, once you do this more often, you do have this, this you get what I call the tingalingaling. That lets <laughs> yeah. you know when you are... Uh, either something is about to manifest or you're in the presence of or something's yes. going to happen that's not your, it's not the draft from the air conditioning in the other room, in other words. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. So at what point, I mean, was there any point when, once you started getting into this field, as, and, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not kidding when I said that thing about demonology, there's a bunch of 
you know, paranormal researchers or ghost hunters or even legend trips, whatever, mm-hmm. that they're all good when it comes to your regular haunted house, haunted person, you know, dead right. person. They're good. But when you start using demonology, uh, something that's truly malevolent and in some cases mm-hmm. very dangerous, that's it. They're out of there. They're like they're out of there. Yeah, they clock out, don't they? They're oh, gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, including by the way, clergy. <laughs> oh, mostly clergy. I yeah. yeah. I had a. I'll tell you what. The worst thing I experienced with, with clergy is a case I had, where um, the the family. I mean, the woman was being haunted by. Uh, I guess it would be an incubus, but we haven't had any real characteristics of it. But it would climb into bed with her at night. And uh, she went to her pastor, and the pastor said, you need to go see a psychologist. And it it devastated her. It hurt her deeply. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why, you know, because I I was a minister for many years. I I used to preach all around the country. And finally, I was like, you know what? These guys really have no clue. A lot of them don't. They're completely illiterate concerning this field. And I can't, I don't want to be uh, limited to their their, uh, antiquated dogmas. Well, you know what? I, I, I've had investigations where I've had a similar repetition. And uh, a lot of the times I'll have the people that have said, well, you know what? I don't think they believe me. I go, no, they do believe you. No, no, no. But they, I go, they do believe you. They're just scared. They don't want to admit yeah. that they're scared. So terrified. They're, peop- they're poo-pooing it. They're, they're handing you off, like you said, the psychologist, the psychiatrist, the mm-hmm. you name it. Because, and because if... Because, by the way, you're coming to them because you think this is a spiritual matter as in the sense of what we're describing. So who better than somebody that supposedly deals in spirituality, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's what I thought, too. Right. But they they believe you. As a matter of fact, they really believe you. Yeah. But how do they explain to you, I've been preaching faith and the power of the faith of the religion, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. but I'm scared of this. Right. Yeah. And if they were more honest with themselves and their people, I think that that would, you know, add a lot of value and insight to their responses to each other. But yeah, like I said, I went to clergy and they did, they had no clue. And truthfully, and even some of the demonologists in this field, yeah. some they they don't they just don't know. They call themselves demonologists. They right. download a phone app, and next <laughs> thing you know, they encounter something that transcends the microcosm of their world. And right. they're out the door with more. They're gone. Yes, yes. And and people, you know, because people don't realize um, that it, it's besides, you know, Hollywood version of, you know, like, you know, how whenever it's a demon or whatever, horrible things can befall you, you know, your you, head oh, gets God, cut yeah. off. But I'm saying people don't realize that really a lot of, I don't want to say danger, but is the psychological damage that can come from this. If oh, you're yeah. not prepared for it. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of psychological warfare. Yes. And, and there are people, I mean, I, I know them personally where they experienced a haunting 25, 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And every day they live, it's almost a post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. It's just, it's still with them. Yes. Even though the fear and everything or the experiences are gone, yes. the emotions are resident within every day they live. Yes. Like if it happened like a, the week before. That, like you said, it's a PTSD scenario. The, the memories are fresh. The fear is fresh. Right. The, the anxiety, like you said, where you can't sleep, uh, whatever. And, it, and, and I want, for lack of a better word, these are mm-hmm. people that are still being victimized by those experiences. Yes. Um, so sometimes I laugh because I see people, uh, 
not in, not from a research capacity, but from but wanting to experience this, you know. Oh, if I'm gonna have a haunting, give me the hardcore stuff, and it's like, really? You sure about that? Oh, they don't want it. They don't they want don't, it. They don't want it. Um, so let me ask you: Did you start out as a minister, a paranormal researcher? How did you graduate from going to regular dead people to demonology or for for dark hauntings? How did that well. Happen? I was in the ministry uh, with my my father, mm-hmm. and I was in the deliverance ministry. So I would, uh, you know, administer and just deliver people from depression, addiction, or whatever, you know. But okay. I had always had an affinity for, I guess, the darker things, not in the sense of the demonic things, but you know, the preternatural yes. topics. Uh, you know, so my favorite shows as a kid was X Files. And, you know, so that's really, and I started reading more into some of the greatest, you know, the authors, John Keel, Malachi Martin, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, everybody knows the the, the greats and everyone. But uh, so the more I researched and the more I studied this, the more I was like, you know what, I really like this. I I think this is a very fascinating topic. And I think that we are encountering something that needs to be redefined and reevaluated. And so uh, I began to employ my, my, um, I wouldn't say rights, but I would begin to employ what I learned in ministry into the homes and helping other people in more of a secular fashion. And uh, so together, I think that's really added a lot to um, my approach to this field. Okay, what um, what would you do or how would you... Because this is the, and, and I'm going to ask your opinion on this. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, you were ministering to people sometimes that were, like you said, addiction. Let's let's use addiction. Okay. Did you find that a lot of addictions were either being accelerated or basically created by attachments? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. This is a very, very good topic. I'm thankful that we, yeah, thank you, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, attachments. See, we use the word attachments. Antiquity uses the word the words demonic possession mm-hmm. and um, one of the things that that I am striving to do and I'm working with a couple other uh, parapsychologists in doing this is we need to redefine some of our terms our vocabulary that we employed for 3,000 years no longer fits modernity so the word demons and, and and just the approach to a demon the horns and hooves and all of that needs to right. be thrown aside and we have to start over because the sample data from all around the world does not no longer substantiates the claims that my religion even my even my religion gave me about this whole thing. So attachments and demonic possession, the attachments uh, occur, and I call them an exterior entity. And in my book, I'm writing a book on, on this already, and I'm, I'm trying to get you know through this, some of this vocabulary. But um, the EE is what I call an attachment, and it's the exterior entity. Okay. And then you have what I call the IE, which is the interior entity, the exterior entity and the interior. The reason I, I, I need to separate those two is because not only are they separate entities within themselves, but they're also, also separate stages of possession. Yes. And so in order to define both of them, we have to set them down and say, okay, they're not one and the same. They're different stages. And, and I've found in my research that in these stages, these stages have different motivations. They will employ different tactics to get consent within us. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, so attachments, one of the, you mentioned attachments. One of the things with addiction 
that I have learned, even addiction, depression, suicidal tendencies, or ideation, all of that. If you are a little bit, if you are a little bit depressed, mm-hmm. and if there is a negative entity, you will it will it will literally lay itself over you, and so the negative aspects of your life, depression, suicide, addiction, all of these things will become elevated. Yes, because it's almost as if there's another weight there. Does it make sense? Yes. And so, so that is getting into the exterior entity. That addiction, um, depression, and all of these uh, nuances of demonology, uh, what they are, are they, there are rights um, where these entities will employ a way to make you yield consent to them. So watch this. This is what I teach everybody. Before you conform to the attachment, mm-hmm. the attachment will conform to you. Right, and so that's why when I deal with people, especially suicide, I, I work with a lot of people who, um, you know, have either tried suicide or have been thinking about it. Right. And once you start to help them realize that they're feeling emotions that are not theirs, right. <laughs> yeah, that's when that entity really starts to freak out because yes. now you're starting to wiggle loose that consent. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it has. You, have yeah. you encountered? any what i call the piggyback where the entity that's like you said whether it's oppression obsession whatever level Mm -hmm. in in, maybe when it was alive it was also being oppressed obsessed by another entity so in other words you have like either you want to call it piggyback or cocoon or whatever and then they're attached have you ever come across that where in reality, there's more than just one entity. It's almost like a layered effect. Yes, and and I, I could say this much: I I was out to dinner one night, and um, a, a girl, like a teenage girl, with her boyfriend came down, sat next to me. She had heard uh, what I I do, and so she sits down and she gives me this story, and uh, it's a true story. But you know, we figured out why she was there in the first place after. But she goes, you know, she goes, I heard about what you do, and she said, I think that my friend need your help. I said, what's going on? She said, well, my friend's grandfather uh, was, he lives in a haunted house. It's an old, old house. And she said that um, one night he was chased out by a demon into his uh, lawn. And she said he had a heart attack and he died. And she's like, you know, so my my best friend is really having a hard time with it because, you know, they want to have the house. They they inherited the house. But at the same time, if that thing's in there, they don't want it. And so as she's talking to me, I uh, I saw a black cloud begin to form over her shoulders, oh. and it just it was almost like it stretched itself over her. And as soon as while she's talking, I just it was almost as if I, I saw everything. I, I saw where she was hurting, and I said, "Listen," I said, "I realize that you think that you're here because of your friend's grandfather." I said, "But I really I really believe that you're here because you're you're dealing with suicide." And I said, I see it right now. It was almost as if her pain was staring right at me, saying, hello, you know, can you see me? And I did. And so I said, you know what? I said, there's an attachment of suicide on you. When I said that, the atmosphere changed. Oh, wow. And she started crying. I mean, bawling. Yes. And she grabs her, um, her boyfriend's hand. And her, her boyfriend, God bless him, he had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I mean, he was just like, oh, my God. Because, you know. Right. So I said, uh, I said, listen, I said, there's an attachment. I said, uh, there's suicide on you right now. I said, I see it. And I said, right now, I said, for the last maybe four or five months, you have been dealing with emotions that are not your own. 
And I said, so what, what's happening now is you will do, you'll act out emotions and, and things and feel, you know, depressions and everything. I said, you know, but those aren't yours. When, she's, when I said that, her, she was crying. She, her hand began to shake. She held out her wrist and she put my fingers on the scars of her self when she tried to slit her wrists. And oh, she died. had already tried it? Yes. Ooh. Yes. I mean, I was, I was, I was broke up. I mean, I was crying too because she, she, so I'm touching it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm right. touching scar. And I said, Oh my God. She goes, yes. And I, and, and you remember how she came to me about her friend's grandfather. This is very yes. interesting. Right. I said, okay. I said, who committed suicide in your family? You she go. said, my grandfather. Ah, there you go. And so what I, what I began to do was help her grieve because he committed his, he committed suicide, I think it was in 2014. Okay. She had just tried this last year. <clears throat> so and it was so, also, it was a recent event for her as well. Right, right, absolutely. And I, so what I began to do, and I, I employed what, what is called a Lurianic rite. Mm -hmm. Now, that is a reference to a Kabbalistic exorcist that lived in the 16th century. His name was Isaac Luria. And what Luria would do is he would talk to the attachment, to the entity within the person. Right. And he believed, this is awesome, he believed that if, if he could heal the entity in the person, mm -hmm. that the person themselves, they will also be healed in the process. And so I begin to talk to her and talk to the attachment through her by dealing with suicide and depression and helping her rebuild her self-esteem. And when I closed that door, you could feel a weight just completely lift in the atmosphere. And since then, her life has changed. I mean, her relationships are better. And so, yeah, so when I'm dealing, when I go into a house, especially if it's a possession or attachment, I'm not looking for a what. I'm looking for a who, and I'm looking for a when. Who is this, and when did it exist? Right. And if I could get that history, then I can understand its relationship with the person it's attached to, and that then then it's it's pretty much over from there. You're right. And uh, let me ask you: Were you when let's say when you did this with this girl? Mm -hmm. Okay, did you ever speak directly to the grandfather's spirit, I or was she the middle man? She was, yeah, she was the mediator. She was the middleman. So here's how, what I did. Okay. I spoke to his emotions by speaking to hers. Okay. And once I began to, to, you know, wiggle that attachment off, you could see her emotional state change. All right. And so that, and then I, you know, and I, as well as the guilt, we got to talk about that. Yes. Now she feels guilty for what she did because I think he felt guilty for what he did. Sure. And so that, yeah, that's a very good question. But yeah, I, I did, uh, I did it in a way, but I didn't address him by name. Let me ask you, did, wh why did he attach to her? How's that? Was it? I do not know. I do okay. not know. All right. And I think sometimes even, this is a very, you know, this is a very uh, strange labyrinth of ideas, mm -hmm. but I think in my research and my position now is that a lot of what we are experiencing are memories and emotions of the disincarnate. Okay. And the question is, why are we experiencing them? For what reason? And are they using this as a form of communication? Or is it just their existence that is unchanging? In other words, there's really no future. All you're feeling is their past. 
So, and that, and we can get into the the epiphenomenal aspect of that because I think that's going to change the field. Let me ask you: so Do you think, because I've heard of the theory, and I'm, I've had experience of this uh, with clients, where sometimes what makes some people more vulnerable, like that question, like why her? You know, he right. committed suicide. Why would you have? Could there have been any, as far as her aura, a weakening? Uh, mm. something that made her more vulnerable. Let's say of all the people that maybe he had in his family, mm-hmm. that that's why, whether it was guilt or wanting to comfort her or perhaps trying to explain, uh, yes. you know, sometimes families are left in the lurch if it's something like an unexpected suicide. Mm-hmm. And of all the people that, or or maybe she was more sensitive. You know, I mean, we could have different reasons why one person is chosen. Yes, absolutely. I think that, I'll say this. I think that a lot of these people who have attachments Mm -hmm. are very sensitive to attachments because they're empaths. Yes. And they don't understand it yet. And a part of getting that attachment off of them includes helping them understand their calling in this field. Yes. Helping them understand how gifted they are and why it is they can drive past a house and act and as if it's almost as if they could smell what is in it. Yes. I mean, you know, so a lot of these people that have come to me, uh, especially the women, more so the women than men. I don't know why, but it mm-hmm. just happens. Uh, but they're very sensitive. They're the people that everyone goes to for help. They're yes. always, you know, they're very sensitive. And I think that uh, that in itself, uh, it really attracts these entities if they're not even if they're not malevolent. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, in this case, what we were talking here was her grandfather. Right. Which, you know what, and, and I'm glad you pointed that out, Nathan, because a lot of times people sometimes, whether they think of it as a possession, like you said, in the traditional sense, or in, they always think of it as um, malevolent, and they don't realize you could get an attachment from a loved one. Absolutely. It doesn't Absolutely. have to be, uh, uh, oh, I went to this really bad haunted house, and, you know, I got jumped <laughs> by this uh, bad ghost, or, but, yeah. No, it could be somebody uh, close to you that for whatever reason, I mean, God knows human beings are very complex, mm-hmm. uh, even when dead. <laughs> I mean, in other words, oh, as yeah. to why they get stuck behind um, and why in some cases they attach to even a loved one and they start affecting them mm-hmm. on an yep. emotional and sometimes even on a physical level. And in the, the case of what you described where this poor girl is starting to be suicidal. Right. And, but that, and I'm glad she came to you, of course, with the pretext of her friend's dilemma, which in reality yeah. was hers. Yeah, wasn't that crazy? Yeah. And, and I have to tell everybody that I, anybody that, that is interested in this field, especially in the deliverance ministry, there's a mantra that I always use, and that is this I only see what wants to be seen by yes. me. Exactly. And she came there, like I said, she, it was a cry. And even though she didn't understand how deep her cry was, thank God something happened that that you know like, to help her. So here you are, you're, you're 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 like you said, because it's your destiny or you will it to be. Mm-hmm. Here you start going into the darker aspect of you know ministry yes. and paranormal research, whatever you want to call it. Like I said, I know there's a lot of religious. And, and this is this is not any particular denomination who this is right. the line in the sand for them if it's dark or you know 
Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, no, 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 no. You know, crisis in the family, I can handle that. Uh, problems <laughs> yeah. with their teenagers, I'll be there. You know, mm-hmm. crisis in the marriage, absolutely. Something right. like this, nope. Right. Um, did you did did you find at any point where you either targeted because sometimes when you become the foe for some of these, especially if they're if they're kind of dark. Mm-hmm. You got to target yourself because they don't oh, yeah. want your intervention. Yeah, they don't want they don't want you. Yeah, because yeah. your presence will displace theirs. Yes, and so yes. especially suicide people that have addic- like addiction issues or uh, you know chronic depression and suicidal ideation. I I believe not. I, I believe that these people are absolutely called to help other people. And so what these entities will do is they will try to take them out as early as they can because when these people recognize who it is they see in the mirror every day and how powerful that person can be, then these entities have no authority. They can't do anything with them. And, uh, but let's get back to, yeah, the, the, the the clergy, what's interesting and one of the things that I really, really disliked about the tradition that I come from is that religion assumes that it defines what a demon is right and my problem is if you're going if you're clergy and you're going to tell me what a demon is but you're not going to want to help me deal with the demon that you tell me it is no then you know so that's my issue one of the issues with uh religious dogmas uh concerning the the field of demonology yeah i i i tell everybody back in 2016 father amorth which was the Exorcist for the Vatican passed away, and I read a story a few months later that they, you know, they were having these newly minted priests coming out of the seminary receiving holy orders, and there were no takers on becoming the exorcist. Some of them get, you know, I know that they offer training and exorcism to some of these priests, but nobody wanted to be the young Dr. Uh, Father Amherst. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wanted to be the Vatican's exorcist. Okay, I know it's it's sad, and it's because <laughs> and, and, and I tell everybody, let's face it, you should be thinking you have the big guns to deal with this, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. and th- that's why I'm saying that people don't realize that this is the part where, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, that saying angels feel fear to tread because whether. It's Hollywood, you know, we, we've been fed this line. Other times, I think it's it's accurate. And sometimes I even think mm-hmm. they underestimate the danger involved in it if you oh, yeah. don't know what you're dealing with. Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. And, and as a matter of fact, a couple of, I want to say less than a week ago, I heard some statistics about suicides mm-hmm. being like, I think the second leading cause of deaths in the United States among, it was like young people into middle age. It was mm-hmm. astounding, the rates of suicides. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this has always existed for various reasons. Mm-hmm. But you would think, why is this happening? And and then the question, at least for me, comes up what we talk about. Are, we, are you looking at a huge amount of people being influenced, like you said, into feeling feelings that are not really theirs? Absolutely. 100%. I mean, at least in my position, 100%. Right. That hopelessness where I'd rather not exist. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I, I've encountered those entities as well. And 
it, it, it really concerns me because I think that if we understood how the attachment works, mm-hmm. what its motives are, and how to get rid of them, but more importantly, how do we approach it? How is it approaching us? And I, I, I'm going to employ an allegory for all your all of your listeners out there, okay. because I want you guys to to you know think about this because I think it's pretty interesting. But it really shows us the the vast void that we have in this field. Watch this. So if a man steps into a pool of water and he he displaces the water, the displaced water is called a wake. Right? right. There's a wake in the water. Now. The wake in the water is not the presence in the water. It's not. Mm -hmm. But it happens because of the presence that's in the water. So for 3,000 years, I believe that the field of demonology has been defining, measuring, quantifying, and preaching and teaching what they know about the wake in the water. But they have not yet faced the entity that displaced the water itself. Does that make sense? Absolutely. We're talking, addressing the symptom versus the cause. Yes, absolutely. Not only that, but we're, we are treating people. Mm -hmm. Let's say, let's say, okay, let's say a demonic possession was a sickness and we are doctors. Mm -hmm. We are treating their sickness based upon how it makes us feel. Yes. Yeah. You understand? So that's why I'm writing my book is because we have to begin to not transvaluate but we reevaluate. We have to redefine this thing, and uh, you know I'm thankful for the torch that that we've had and been given, but it's it's turned to ash, and now we're groping in the darkness, and um, so that's that's why I'm writing my book, and that's why I'm trying to introduce new concepts into this discipline so that we might see more. Yes, I I think that, and um, I think sometimes people have because I think sometimes when other human beings do something, whether it's self-destructive or destructive to others, they want something concrete to blame. And when you start talking something as intangible as a spiritual interference, Mm -hmm. powerful enough to alter a person's actions or mindset, people have a hard time grasping that or accepting Mm it. Um, And they do so at their peril or never like you said never really understanding what the true cause was of what happened or why this person did what they did absolutely um, and you know sometimes i've had people that say well you know mental illness this is all tied into mental illness and i said you know what one does not exclude the other you can have somebody with legitimate mental illness as let's say for example some type of chemical imbalance in their brain and they can mm-hmm. still have spiritual interference Right. Okay, which uh, basic sometimes when you see is a, uh, their symptoms get, get worse, they become more difficult to handle than yeah. they normally would. Just because if 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 all they had was the symptoms mm-hmm. of the disease, let's say that part of their brain was diseased, but because of the spiritual attachment, they become difficult. Uh, they they just are worse than they wouldn't be normally, and it's like one thing doesn't exclude the other. Right, right. And they can happen simultaneously. Yes, absolutely they can. They can. Uh, and, 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 and the, you know, when you were talking about the different stages of whether oh, yeah. it's an obsession or influence or oppression or out and out. And let me ask you this. 
Mm-hmm. What What's your opinion or, or have you run across what they call perfect possession? People that have actually yes. volunteered. Or, I have. And what, what's, what's been your experience with that? Well, uh, what we're dealing with at that point is an entity that wants skin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. He wants a body. Yes. And uh, I just did an interview the other day, which and I, I, I finally uh, got to a point in my research where I'm pretty confident I know a little bit more about it than I did before. And uh, what happens in perfect possession, I'm going to take everybody by the hand and we're going to go all the way to Haiti for a second, okay? There we go. We're going to dive into the work of the German uh, German anthropologist Fritz Kramer. Mm-hmm. Fritz Kramer wrote a book called The Red Fez. And in the, in the Red Fez, he talks about his experiences with what, were, what they called uh, African possession art. Okay. And so he would study, you know, the, 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 the natives and the religious uh, rites that they would employ. And he said that many times they would, they would be possessed. Mm-hmm. Their sages, uh, magic men, would be possessed by an ancestor. And that ancestor would begin to scar the flesh of the person it possessed. So he would actually, they would actually take rocks and scar their entire body. Okay. And so he asked them, he said, why is it? that they're, they're, they're scarring themselves. They said, because once that person is fully possessed, that scarred flesh is now its social skin. Hmm. Okay. So perfect possession, in my mind, it is the scarification of someone. They might not even know it, yes. but they are being worn as a garment. Yes. And that happens with a profound amount of consent. So it's feeding off of you, and you're feeding off of it. And together, you guys have united, even subconsciously. You have collaborated with this entity. And now it's using you as a a bodysuit. Yes. That's Mm -hmm. terrible. Yes, they they, they want want what they can't have. And, and, And in some cases... Depending, I imagine, on the personality, some of them, let's say, let's go again with the addiction. They don't have a body. If you don't have bodies, you don't have nerve endings. You can't experience the rush of, let's say, um, the drug you used to take. Right. So you need that body to experience it. And that's when you go into what you're talking about, that they want the skin. They want the, what they, you don't have anymore when you die, when your physical body dies. Absolutely, yeah. And, and again, that gets into this because, you know, there's a lot of people in this field that believe that they are harvesting our emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true, but that's not good enough. They're harvesting our attributes. Yes. And that right there is it's, – it's another chilling revelation. But um, that's why I, I, you know, separated the two, the, uh, the, in, uh, the exterior entity and the interior entity. One of the reasons I did that as well is the study of a heart transplant. Yes. <laughs> That's so you know interesting. Yes, yes. Talk what? more about that. All right. This is very good. I love it. So what happens is, okay, you had the guy, and I, I forget his name, but uh, anyways, he had a, a heart transplant, and uh, let's say that that heart is an exterior entity, okay? Mm-hmm. So it's an exterior entity, even if it's inside the heart transplant uh, person, the recipient. Mm-hmm. It's not an interior entity until it responds to you as the recipient to the rest of your body. 
and then you respond to it and then it, it, it conforms to you, you conform to it, now you have an interior entity. Now, before that happens though, it will groom you. Ooh, it, it, it will yeah. groom you into yielding consent to it. Yes. So, and that's why I'm doing my best to, to separate these two. Because, you know, in Catholicism, the, the tradition was, you know, okay, there's obsession and there's possession, mm -hmm. there's, you know, infestation and all of that. I think that we need to simplify it. There's an, there's an exterior, there's an interior. Now we can dig more into their motivations because the motivation of an exterior entity is to be an interior entity. Yes. But yes. once it's an interior entity, its motivations change. Of course. And so that, that's why I, I'm doing that. And uh, it's a very interesting part of my research that I, uh, I really right. love talking about. No, no. And if you think about it, if somebody comes and knocks on your door to the house and tells you, hey, I want your house, you're not going to open the door. Right, right, absolutely. You know, you, you, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna try that once they gain entry, and yeah. um, also one of the things that I, I sometimes I've spoken about, which is invitation, and a lot of us think of invitation as in the normal invitation that we think of, and an invite, I think, in the metaphysical world, mm -hmm. takes a lot of different forms, especially the way sometimes these entities see it. And you might think, oh, yeah. I never invited this thing in. And you'd mm -hmm. be like, think about maybe what you've done or said, which it translates to them as an invitation. Absolutely. You're 100% you're correct. And the data, the research, that completely validates it. I mean, we have cases, especially, okay, now here's what's interesting. Especially in the D-book, or in the States we call it a Dybbuk, in the mm -hmm. Dybbuk experience, um, the Dybbuk and the Incubus are the same entity. Right. The Dybbuk did not, the Dybbuk, according to Hebrew, uh, did not stem from a box. The Dybbuk was a possession demon. Right. The Dybbuk, this is interesting because I've never heard anybody teach on this. And I don't know why. I mean, it's, you know, it's just, <laughs> but the Dybbuk, according to Jewish antiquity, was the Incubus who would groom its victim into uh, coition. That's an incubus. So again, we got to deal with you know these terminologies are what's really tripping us up here. But one of the ways that the debook and incubus would gain consent from their victim is by appearing as a a deceased spouse, or you know whispering into their ears at nighttime. And it was basically seduction. Mm -hmm. Or this is very interesting as well because this gets into UFO abduction. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, what another thing they would do is they would uh, come to these women uh, as, as I guess, you know, if they had a particular type, a particular affinity for an ethnicity, mm -hmm. they would they would conform themselves to the memory of their victim, right? Hoping for coercion. Now, that is exactly what ha what happens, especially in uh, Dr. Carla Turner's work. The, uh, what was it? The Masquerade of Angels. She talks about that how they will change their form in order to take something from you. Now the question is, what are they taking from us? And why are they needing it? What is the motivation behind them wanting relations with a mortal? Hmm. Well, it, de it depends, you know, you know how, you know that, that old, uh, you know, and I know it's part of the mythology, let's say of the vampire, where mm -hmm. it needs to be formally invited 
in right. order to go in, that there's certain mm -hmm. laws within, if you want to call it the metaphysical world, where, like you said, that acceptance, whether you start with the invitation and the acceptance, the gradual, whatever, yeah. that mm -hmm. have to be extended or have to be done for it to go to the next step. Okay. Yes. Uh, yep. Yep. Now, You're right. And, and this, and, and and we'll get later on, and and I'll ask you about whether you know, uh, with the so-called demons, are we talking a human spirit that evolved so dark it turned into a demon, or are we talking two separate, you know, types of entities? But mm -hmm. some people don't realize that what that entity wants, besides the corruption of the human spirit is mm -hmm. once you have that human under your control, how much harm and agony and suffering can you make it cause? Especially mm -hmm. if this is an entity that craves and feeds off of this type of energy. All right, yeah. Okay, Let's it cannot move. do it without a human body in this place. It can't. It cannot. Yeah. It has to be, it wants to be at a particular place. Yes. And a particular time, and it cannot without human yes. partnership. Yes, exactly. It could be whatever, but without that physical body, that human whatever, it can. It just can't. It can't. That's because we, with our physical bodies, we are where we're supposed to be. We are incarnated beating, beings. Right, right. We belong where we're at, which is why once we don't have bodies, we should not be here anymore. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> so for them to execute or do anything, whether it's a question of feeling or causing harm or they need that human body and to either suborn or just whatever the, like you said the interior the original soul within that body to manipulate it to do whatever it wants it to do whether it's have a drink shoot up drugs or go and do horrible things uh and appear to be a very sane person mm -hmm. you know yeah, like so you said masquerading as as uh pretending to be normal how's that there we go absolutely and and Fritz Kramer called this mimesis. Wow. In other words, it's mimicking us. Yes. Yes. And um, I will say this: we're getting back into consent. So, so not only is consent a a, a symptom of possession, but when you get into the cases in the 16th century, which in academia we call it the the age of the demoniac, mm -hmm. we had entire entire towns would be possessed. Yeah, I've heard of that. I've heard <laughs> yeah, of that. even uh, convents. I mean, yeah. Yeah, convents that people yeah, think of all that. places, nuns. Hello. Yeah it's, uh, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, it's it's really wild stuff. But what I begin to do is I, I compared the notes of the, the D-Book phenomenon, their experiences, their cases, and I compared what I found there with the notes of Father Sinistrari of Amino. And for those who don't know Father Sinistrari, he was a Franciscan exorcist. And his specialty, his greatest work, was on the incubi and succubi. Okay. And he uncovered something that is mirrored throughout all of the world concerning possession in you know, these, these demons. Okay. What happened with Sinistrari was that he, he, he collected a group of doctors, and he would talk to people, victims of incubus, incubi, and he would get their stories. And then when they would die later on in life, he would call these doctors in and he would say, okay, we're going to do the autopsy here. Mm 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, you know, the, the lady that, you know, in question, she told me, you know, A, B and C happened. She says, he said, yeah, I want to get some physical evidence of this. Okay. And so what they realized was that that entity, while it had groomed her and it had manipulated her into consent, but that's not all. Matter of fact, they, that entity had scarred them in very hidden places, places that no one would see, right? Oh, interesting. The, yes. So even as much as they had one man who had, um, you know, it's actually another woman. She had scars beneath her eyelids. Oh, my God. Right. This is chilling. Now, I, I, I'm telling you, this is very, very dark yes. research right here. And I yes. think I really do think we we need to get it out there. Yes, absolutely. Because. And what they begin to do is they, they psychologically they sat down and said, okay, now we are starting to understand the victimology here. Yes. <laughs> and they said, so what is its purpose? What, what is it doing? And that's why demonic possession and, and incubus and debook phenomena, that's why it's such a grave danger to us. Because not only will it get consent from you, but it, it has the potential to mark you in places you didn't even know were there. Right. And so that happens in the deboot cases. We have cases where, you know, it, the devil's mark, yes, right? Yes, I've heard. Yeah, that was one of the things that's when they, uh, uh, when the, the witch trials, the, that was one of the yes. things that was looked for. Of course. So you have the devil's mark. You have the scarring in, in Haiti, right? You have the scarring. It's the social skin. And then, and then like, okay, one of my favorite authors is R.E.L. Masters. And he wrote a compendium of cases, occult uh, cases, uh, where you know demons would have coition with a woman or a man. And he wrote a book called Eros and Evil. And in it, he describes the very same phenomenon, where you would have a, a woman who, you know, if she was a witch or whatever she was into, but she would willfully invite that demon uh, to have relations with her. And at the end, she would be marked. He would have marked her. Yes. Now, my point in all of this is that consent does not end with possession. Hmm. It will mark you. Now, I have a question. Why would you, why would they mark a victim of theirs? That's a good question. A good question. If you think about it, um, it's, well, it's, it's almost like, and like you said, it might not be visible. Right. As a matter of fact, maybe they strove to put it in hidden places. Mm-hmm. But in, only, yeah. right. N- n- normally, in other words, they wouldn't. You wouldn't. They wouldn't want the branding to be in a in a visible spot. Uh, and mostly, uh, it's 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 a form of how can I say of proof of ownership or proof of dominion yes. yep. or um, you know. Uh, but it, it, but it, there's. I want to say. With this entity, there is no ego as in, I need to prove it to anybody that sees this person that they're mine. Yes, right. Okay. And that's exactly right. That's where I've come to as well. You know, it's that, that branding. Yeah. Yes, yeah. You're, and and uh, in other words, it's, it's, it's visible. It's, it's the actual physical body that I have so much power over you. Mm-hmm. That I can make you scar your own physical body because most yes. human beings protect their bodies, as if you, if you, you know, under normal circumstances. In other words, 
Um, and, and, you know, and I understand that, you know, there's traditions in certain cultures where they'll do some type a certain scarring in a ceremony because mm, whether it's a coming of age thing, I, that's different. Mm -hmm. I'm talking yeah, here. But yeah, um, that's a way different thing. Yeah. We're talking here something different. Uh, and I think that now let me ask you, mm -hmm. do you think that because you were talking originally about these spirits, contrary to, you know, people thinking of them as demonic or non-human. So mm -hmm. in some cases, they're human. Do mm -hmm. you think that there something that started out as a human spirit, maybe from a very dark personality, okay, mm -hmm. will ever evolve into being demonic or non-human? Or is there Yes. A, okay. And matter of fact, if you get into the etymological origin of the word demon, Mm -hmm. It wasn't always horns and hooves. It was. It could have been a malevolent spirit, or it could have been a good spirit. Right. It, it, yeah. So absolutely, and that's uh, that's what I call a the post mortem stress disorder. I guess. Yes. <laughs> I yes. mean, you know, where they they've actually uh, they've they've molted. Because again, I'm I'm employing new terms, but it's the same concept said in a different way. But it adds value to it. They molted yes. their body. Yes. And they're evil. And so now you're dealing with a molted being who yes. has, yeah, so, yeah, and, and that's why I say, you know, because people, like, I, people will always come in and say, you know what, it felt like a devil, it felt like a demon, you know, I, I had the ability to tell the difference, and I'm saying, not really, no, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, any, any entity that's disembodied would feel alien right. to us. Of course, of course. But it just, you got it. No, it's life against anti-life, and, you, and your body's like going, uh. and yeah. I tell everybody, if you were a real SOB in life, what, you think you die and you you improve because you're dead? Oh, <laughs> no, oh yeah, really. yeah, 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 <laughs> you, you, know? you, wise, you wisened up, right? Yeah, After right, yeah, I know. Body. Makes no sense, and it's, you know what it is, it's just, these answers are antiquated, they don't work anymore, no. we need new vocabulary, and um, yeah, so let me let me go back to the, the, the scarification aspect yes. of this. yes. If we can. Now, scarification is that it's different than mutilation. Mm -hmm. Mutilation has no pattern. It's just the disfigurement of something or someone. Right. Now, in anthropology, one of the things that R.E.L. Masters said was absolutely incredible. He said that scarification is, occurs to, these, to the possessed person in Haiti. Because it was the imprint of culture, not the culture of the living being, but the culture of the disincarnate, the imprint of culture. Now, now, one of the things I love to do is I love to walk the knife's edge between UFO abduction yes. and demonology. Now, watch how closely this mirrors each other. Mm -hmm. If I were to tell you that scarification was the imprint of culture, it makes sense. But what if I changed one word, Marlene, and I said that scarification is the implant of culture? Wow. Yeah, right? it changes, it changes the context totally. Gives you chills. It gives me chills. Yes, because it does. It's, it's starting to become clearer to us. Finally, our eyes are adjusting to the darkness. Now, one of the things that I, I really enjoy about masters, uh, again, it's a scarification. And, you know, again, it's the social skin. But if scarification is the imprint or implant, I guess, of culture, then what is happening in these incubus and debut cases? 
are they imprinting a part of themselves onto us because as as though like a serial killer would or right. some watch this this is my theory on this Okay. I think what's happening is that they're marking us so that they can find us later. Not when we're alive. Oh, man, that's very, oh, that's dark. <laughs> that's like, I'm telling you. I'm if you telling think I'm done I, with I, you I while you got a live body? Oh, yes. That's... I got chills. Yeah, because, and I'm telling you, this, this is a very, very, and I've never, never had an interview where I've gotten to this depth, but yes. Yes, it's victimology. I'll you tell you where I, I, I have heard, I, and, and, and I haven't heard it because of that, but I have heard in some cases of hauntings where there is one dark spirit that holds everybody, other spirits there hostage or has dominion over them. Right. Absolutely. And if, 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 we, can, if we can embrace that thought, now we can go through human history, even in biblical antiquity, and realize why the devil wanted Moses' body. We never asked that. I never asked that question in theology. I never, you know, I didn't have any frame of reference. But now that we, if that's a possibility, see, see, okay, let's let's look at possession as the hopeful embodiment of a disincarnate spirit. Right. Well, why wouldn't they try to use a dead body? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what um, Sinistrari was studying because he realized that the purpose of possession was not just okay, I'm going to have a body, but they would take human substances from their victims. They would take it from one place and give it to another person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's how they, they begin to live again. And that's oh, yeah, a very... It's like if, that thing, if you think that death is the escape hatch, God, can you think about it? That doesn't matter because they're still waiting for you. You're still mine now and after. Right. Once that consent... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, And that's why um, suicide is such a very grave thing. Yes. Yes, because it's you disfiguring your entire existence. Um, so yeah, that's what I believe is happening, and I've never told anybody that, Marlene. Well, never. You know what I, I that sounds very plausible because a lot of people. I, I mean, I I know every culture sometimes has different um, traditions with their dead, but there yep. are some cultures that when somebody dies, even if it's a family member, they they don't even speak the person's name. Yes. They, they, because they're so afraid, they, in other words, they don't want to call it back. In other words, there's like a time period where they want to let the spirit like go. They don't right. talk about the person. They don't handle any of their things. It's like, we're going to make believe this person doesn't exist. Yep. And there's reason for that. Absolutely. There's a reason for that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And of course, um, I mean, the, the way we handle, you know, and I'm going to say in Western society, you know, that we have the the traditions, you know, of, of uh, you know, and, and by this, I don't say there, there's a lot of people that die and, you know, spiritually, they're fine and they go on to wherever they're there. They don't get they're gone. They're they're mm -hmm. not hanging back. They they get it. They're ready to go. They are mm -hmm. not stuck. But uh, I think that there's a portion because of sometimes not expecting for an afterlife to actually exist. Right. Like, you mean, mm -hmm. this is not it? <laughs> or <laughs> fear of, uh, the, of let's say, the traditional hell mm -hmm. or judgment or even, even if they weren't par a particularly religious person mm -hmm. when they were alive, for some reason, it's like, I'd rather hang out here in the gray area 
mm-hmm. then be where I'm supposed to go because who knows what's going to happen there. You know? Yeah, you're correct. You're correct. And they still have their same, yes. uh, what I call the same self-inherited belief system they had. Yeah, of course. They were alive. It's self-inherited. I think that's the greatest hell that could exist. Yes. It's not flames. It is a horrible, horrible thing. And every time I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to segue real quick into mm-hmm. when you see these paranormal shows where the people say, oh, it's okay. You know, if the ghost, if auntie wants to hang out with us and I'm like, what are you doing? Do you know that auntie soul is trapped? Let her go. Wish yeah. peace be with you, but you must go. Why mm-hmm. would you want to uh, allow or or ask a human soul, okay, to mm-hmm. exist in a state of in between of incompletion, of sorrow, of frustration, of maybe witnessing human beings do what they can't do anymore because they don't mm-hmm. have a live body. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear that, I'm like, sometimes people don't realize you, a ghost, as in. Is a human soul. Yep. Okay. You're talking about a human soul, not the Casper, like the you know the friendly ghost kind of deal, like a cartoon. Right. <laughs> Think about it. it's a human being whose soul is for various reasons, various reasons, um, and again we now let me ask you, let's talk about how what is your advice mm-hmm. for people to avoid this happening. Possession or well, let's start. It doesn't have to go. You know that that that, that it starts slow. It, oh know. yeah, yes it does. Let's let's talk about let's say that let's go with the influence where I don't know maybe you're stupid and you're at the wrong place at the wrong time or you dabble in what you shouldn't or you have some vulnerability in you. What is it that where people need to go? Oh wait 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 wait. You know, yeah. Bef- okay. Before it becomes more entrenched, in other words. Okay. Well, the first thing is addiction. Yes. If you have a genetic predisposition to a certain thing, Mm -hmm. that genetic predisposition has happened for a reason. Okay. And that's what, and and see in religion, they called it a generational curse. No, that's a, it's the same thing. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, So if you you have that in you, avoid it. Mm -hmm. Avoid whatever it is because that entity will go through the bloodline. Yes. And it will attach itself to you. Yes. Number one. Number two, you cannot control what you attract sometimes or a lot of the times. I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of things that happen to you, but mm-hmm. not because of you. Right. Uh, so don't go if you. OK, how about this? If, there, if you've heard that a house was haunted right. and they see things and, and feel things and everything, don't run to it. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you're saying that. <laughs> how ridiculous. Re- Ridiculous. I'm so glad you're pointing that out. <laughs> you know what? And again, this is a symptom yes. of the complete. And I'm not, I'm not crit- critiquing or criticizing, but demonologists in this field, there are some people who are so immune to the truth they have become complicit with the lie. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the lie is, hey, listen, go in there, you'll have fun yeah. until you go in there and you walk into something and you're not ready for it, and then for the rest of your life. <laughs> Yeah. You've given it consent and you're, you know, you yes. lost your job, your credit, your divorce, you know, all oh, this stuff. Oh, man, you are echoing my words and I am <laughs> so glad you brought that high up. Five, high five, sister. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? Everybody thinks of, you know, the Hollywood, oh, furniture starts flying around in your house. It's like, no, no, no. It starts no. by your life unraveling sometimes in yep. slow degrees. Yep. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. And it might take a while. 
if you ever get to the point of seeing what truly was the point of origin of when this started to happen. Mm-hmm. And if you have somebody or you're smart enough or whatever, you might realize exactly what you described. Man, you know, <laughs> it was after that I went to that place or or whatever, whatever. Well, yes. That, and some people never get there, by the way. They don't. And it goes back to the old African proverb, a man can die at 18 and be buried at 84. Yes, yes, yes. And so yes. that's the danger these people are risking. Yeah, it won't kill you. <laughs> but no. you're already dead. Oh, of course. Given it, it doesn't. Yeah. It what's but people people don't understand, especially if we're talking a malevolent entity. It mm-hmm. doesn't want your death. It wants your suffering. Right. That's how it gets attributes. Exactly. You can't get no suffering from a dead person. It wants That's your right. suffering. It mm-hmm. wants your, uh, you know, in suffering not only that you feel, but what you can inflict on others as well. Yes. It's a ripple yes. effect. It is, and it's yeah, it's a collaboration of sorts. And it reminds me of a case I had in uh, State Over from Ohio, or actually it was in Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati. Anyways, um, my mother had called me, and she's like, you know, I had a, an issue with my son, and things were going on in his life, and I talked to the the son, and and uh, I he wanted, he, I guess he was he would go into like fits of rage, okay. and his own memory and consciousness would be displaced by another entity and uh one of the interesting things that uh, he told me he said you know he said i don't i don't want an exorcism and i said well i don't think you need one you know but i I do want to meet with you and i said you know but it's an hour and a half drive i don't want to go there if you don't if you really don't want to be helped Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because we have been having problems before (laughs) yeah and uh he goes well he goes i'll tell you what he goes when this is on me he says, I learn things about people from it. Oh. Yeah. And so there are people out there, and again, that speaks to perfect possession. There is consent. Yes. And I told him, I gave him a very, very grave warning. I said, listen, sir. I said, I know that you think you're feeding on it more than it's feeding on you. Yeah. But when it's done with you, you will be nothing anymore. Mm-hmm. It will have waned you down. Your petal will wither in the sun. And I said, what you're experiencing now is not worth who you will become in the end. Yes. So, and again, that speaks to the ignorance that, that just pervades this field. Well, and this is the thing, especially let's say when you're talking to somebody that's younger. You mm-hmm. tell them, and by the way, this might take 50 years. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah, 50 yeah. years, 60 years, maybe 70 Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like next month, you know, you'll be in the throes of this. No, you know, uh, yeah, it, it, it might like, uh, uh, you know, what is it? It'll eat you while you're alive mm-hmm. for without killing you, by the way, for a lifetime. And then possibly the in the afterlife as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it will keep you alive. Yes. Think about that. Of course, of course. And it when it's alive. done, you're just, I mean, it's so sad. And I, I. And, and, and you know, you know, know as well as I do. In malevolent hauntings, it's nothing for an animal to die. I mean, no. you know, how many times have we heard of a rabbit or a cat where it just wouldn't eat and it just died yes. out of nowhere, no, 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 no real cause? Yes. Yeah, they're feeding on it. Yes, yes, and and people don't don't realize the, the the subtlety. I guess is because, like, I guess everybody thinks of all these effects as being very dramatic, mm-hmm. and the subtlety 
sometimes is the best weapon that it has as far as whether it's ingratiating itself with that person, mm-hmm. with their subconscious mind, or on a spiritual level, however. Now, let me ask you, and, and I have read about this uh, from other sources mm-hmm. who talked about spiritual attachments, where do you think that there's any attachments that are extraterrestrial in origin? That's a big question. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I have no idea. Okay. I don't, I mean, my focus has been so much on uh, demonology. I will uh-huh. say this. I believe that the the extraterrestrial field, I mean, you know, abduction, aliens, I think they're both after the same thing. Well, I can say and, that. <laughs> and this is the thing. You know, because when you say ET, you always think of extraterrestrial as in linear from outer space. Mm-hmm. What if we're talking an inter or intradimensional being? Yes. And, you know, of course, we're making it what everybody thinks of as a stereotypical extraterrestrial, whether it's the gray or whatever, but it comes mm-hmm. from the plate. That, maybe that does exist. But what if there's, quote unquote, an extraterrestrial, which is really an intradimensional being who does have that ability uh, and and does right. it for whatever whatever reason you know God, like you said that that's that's that that's like the 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 horizon becomes misty there you know we don't know mm-hmm. where it goes um, yeah it's a good question though i'm going to think about that for a while yeah and and i mean um if you uh, there's a, a gentleman by the name of dr bill baldwin who mm-hmm. wrote about that he's already passed away where he came across it inadvertently while working with some clients Mm-hmm. where what was there was not a dead person as in what we think of or anything like that and that he mm-hmm. had, in other words he didn't go looking for it, it he just fell they into just shut up mm-hmm. that all of a sudden like this is a what what you know like mm-hmm. that kind of thing um it's very interesting and sometimes you know and i've heard of you know there's a lot of school of thought of that because obviously this thing with extraterrestrials is becoming a more valid point, whereas before it was, you know, the UFO or ufology, um, you know, I don't want to say, but a lot of people said, oh, okay, you know, like flying saucers, sure, sure, sure. You know, um, Mm -hmm. lately it's gotten more attention. And of course, there's been admissions that there's actually been uh, government funded programs to track them. Mm -hmm. Again, UFOs doesn't necessarily have to be extraterrestrial in origin. They're just unidentified. Right, we just don't know what they are. We just don't know what they are, Uh, but but, you know, of course, that nothing. There's no spiritual angle there to it. Okay, this is just strictly some type of vehicle that we just don't know what it is. Um, We're just going into now. When and I and I'm glad you said that. As far as people recognizing their vulnerabilities, whether it's through bloodline, Mm -hmm. generational. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that if you, one of your ancestors took a vow or a promise mm-hmm. that they could um, basically inflict it on their descendants? Yes, the sins of the fathers. Yes, okay. Yes, I do. Um, and I also believe that your ancestor can make a deal with an mm-hmm. entity. Okay. And that entity will come to you. Okay. And, and that usually happens in the occult. We have cases like that as well. Yes. But absolutely, yeah, yes, 100%. Yes, there's a lot of people don't realize that. They'll think, well, I never did anything, or I, I, I. And I'll say, you know what? And I'll say, sometimes you'll even have people that are adopted. 
That, another my point being that they really sometimes have no idea what their origins, their family of origin is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll have these experiences or, and it's because sometimes in their background, in their familial background, there was some type of, and, and I'm going to say, and, and I'm, Sometimes I imagine there are some descendants that do it willingly and knowingly as far as mm-hmm. knowing their descendants will be afflicted by it. And there's others that because of who they were dealing with, they thought, oh, it's just me. I'm the one the one making this deal. Right. Never thinking that. Yeah. You know that fine print in the contract that nobody reads? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to come back to haunt you, literally. Yeah. And your, and, and your offspring and so forth and so, you know, whatever. And uh, whatever the case might be of what they were dealing with and what they were involved in. So let me ask you something, Nathan, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way? What, what is your website address? So for my podcast listeners, even though well, uh, I'll include in the credit <laughs> to the show. Okay. Um, well, my website is njgillis.com. I'm in the process of updating it okay. um, as well, but you can find me on, uh, I'm on Instagram as the Nathaniel Gillis. I'm on Facebook. As the Nathaniel Gillis, you can find a lot of my material on YouTube, okay. and um, yeah. So my my book, A Moment Called Man, is on sale on uh, what is it? Amazon. <laughs> okay, all right. And do you have? You said you were writing another book for this. Is that yes. going to be out this year? Yeah. Oh God, yeah. It'll be out within the next three months. Okay. So I'm excited. I'm going to put all my work and all of my blood, sweat, and tears into this book, okay. and hopefully it'll it'll add something to our. Um, what talk. do you do? Are do you? Do you do any events, or if, if somebody needs help, do you yeah. do it remotely, or does it have to be in person? How do um, I, I most for the most part I went to houses. Okay. Um, I can do I, I obviously I can help people through Skype or help people you know through emails and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, whatever you know, if you need advice or if you need uh, consulting, I, I do that as well. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. So that that's how to get a hold of me. That's where I'm at. Okay. And uh, my website will have my my last year's dates and where I was last year. Okay. And like I said, I'm updating it for this year because I'm gearing up for a huge year. Yes. What we were talking about originally about 2020. Let's talk about that a bit. Just a minute. Okay. What do you think is coming up starting now in 2020? Okay. I think that there's research that is going to be published. Okay. That will stop us from measuring the wake in the water. Okay and start really looking at these entities for what they are, not for what they do or what they've caused. Mm-hmm. I think that we're going to dig deeper into the biological aspect of possession and the reason they are using our human essence and substances. Um, I believe, <laughs> I mean, we're going to get into the Nephilim. We're going to understand the link between Nephilim and how they became into this world and what they used, because we're dealing with necromancers. Oh yes, God! Masterful necrom, even disincarnate necromancers. Oh, That's I never cool. heard of that—a disincarnated no. necromancer. Wow! <laughs> it's going to be good, sister. I'm excited. I Let can't wait. Let me tell you something. People don't. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I live in Miami. Mm-hmm. Okay, people don't know that necromancy is one of the most powerful magical systems out there. Very dangerous oh, yeah. and very dark. Oh, yeah. And if you, I mean, even, okay, how about this? Mm-hmm. We have entity, we have ghosts that will come and say, listen, bury my body properly. Yes. Why? Yes. Why? Because there's an aspect of necromancy here. Yes. And uh, that scarification is an act of branding. 
Yes. Not just that I will know where you are when I need you, but it's possible to let everybody else know that are doing the same thing who you belong to. Yes. I mean, it's a big, it's a big. Uh, they bind it. They bind big. that soul. They bind that spirit. They yep. bind that disincarnated spirit. Uh, and sometimes they'll you. And I tell everybody nowadays, you know that they you could you could get human skeletons or bones legally. It's not mm -hmm. illegal. I say, but why do you think these people smuggle body parts or bones? Why? When they could buy it. Right. Because it has Correct. nothing. The what that you buy legally, mm -hmm. there's nothing attached to it. It's just a bone. What they Absolutely. really want is that portion of the body to bind that spirit that still might be with it. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I mean... I. I've heard of people smuggling. I mean, even here in Miami, we've had people trying to come in with body parts. Um, yeah. uh, in other countries, sometimes, uh, you know, because, you know, you always think traditionally of graves being dug up for, you know, people trying to rob the the, the corpses mm -hmm. or things like that. Or, you know, once upon a time, 300 years ago, when, you know, people were using for anatomy classes. And it's like, not now. It's used for dark magic. I read a story about, um, I want a year ago. This happened in India. There was a train that was going to the border of China. And they discovered a man traveling with, I don't know, almost 100 um, total bo bodies or body parts or skeletons. He basically, he had gone and dug up uh, all these corpses. Mm -hmm. And he was going to sell them on the black market. Mm -hmm. And everybody thinks immediately medical. It's like, no, they're being used for dark magic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And it's it's it's, it's a very uh, yes. disturbing aspect of this that yes. really gets really talked about. Yes. Yes. And people, you know, because everybody thinks, yeah, necromancy. Sometimes people think of it as in divination, you know, summon the spirit and have it tell you whatever it is that you want to know. But if that body, for whatever reason, and this is getting back to what you were talking about as far as the burial. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> I, let me tell you something. I, 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 could, I haven't gone to a cemetery in a, in a bit, but I, I, could, I could walk into just about any cemetery here in Miami, and I guarantee you I will find some type of offering as in mm -hmm. a dead animal, usually chickens thrown over the, uh, yeah. the, the uh, over into the into the graveyard not outside wow. of it inside of it absolutely all the time I I've gone and um, I have found like the these older graves that sometimes are up like in between the spaces that there's a bundle there and it's like I'm not even gonna go there but I know what's in there or I have a good mm -hmm. idea what's in there okay mm -hmm. why do you, I mean if the thing is that you're doing some type of invocation or some mm -hmm. type of why do you, if you, if that's the thing and you're done with it why can't you just dump it anywhere no because there is a certain significance to graveyards and cemeteries yes there and is and that's a whole other show as a matter of fact <laughs> we could I mean we could oh my god yes we could talk, we can go through hours of discussing these topics yes, because there's yes. so much to talk about yes and there's people that you know uh, contrary to what they think that this is like. Oh, superstition uh, that that's not believed in anymore. Who believes in that? Who practices that? That was done a hundred years ago. It's like I beg to differ. I beg to oh, differ. Yeah. That's currently in use a lot, and from there we can just tippy toe over into human sacrifice. By the way, oh, we can, and we can go in this direction as well because we can go anywhere. This is exciting, you know. This field is. Yes. It's yes. a terrifying reality, but yes. then again, it's fascinating. But I'll tell you what. Another reason I think that these entities are necromancers. Mm -hmm. 
is because they're employing satanic, not satanic rites, but occultic rites. Yes. In haunted houses. Uh oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Mariolatry, there's two de- definitions of Mariolatry. Number one, it's the worship of Mother Mary. Number two, mm-hmm. it's the um, sacrilegious rite of demeaning Mother Mary right. or okay. turning a cross upside down. Now, right. that rite did not originate until the 18th century. Really? And it originated in, a, in, a, in the occult. Okay. Now, watch this. This is very good here. It's very interesting. The purpose of an incantation mm-hmm. is the incarnation of its author. Okay. So incantation is incarnation. Yes. So whoever, yes. whoever spoke that word mm-hmm. to you, gave you A, B, and C, the, the mathematic equation to get what you want, whoever authored that will step into the words. Yes. And that's why when I go into a house and I see Mariolatry, I don't ask where or what it is. I ask when it is because okay. there's only a particular part of history when that originated. Okay. You're following me. Yes. So what I'm, what I'm thinking here, and wow, this is very, this is crazy, I know, but I think that they're employing, whoever these entities are, are employing rights, occultic rights that they know, and they're doing it in the afterlife okay. to us just like they would do it to them if they were in life. Does that make sense? If they, so it's a theory. I'm working on that as well. But there's so many directions to go, and I'm, I'm just humbled to be on here with you. And I, Let I'm me based- tell you something. That's, I, that's, that to me, is really fascinating. It, <laughs> it really, really is because it extrapolates from what the stereotypical, um, if you want to talk, call it even the dark arts, where it's like uh, I think that there was so many versions of it, like you said, depending on the author, depending on the intention, depending on the darkness, uh, depending on even how long it is, or uh, it wouldn't be, of course, the first thing that's hidden in plain sight or disguised within the opposite, uh, Mm -hmm. as in maybe something that looks very innocent and pure and religious, used, like you said, in in its inverted form. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there we go. You want the opposite result, but sometimes you have to disguise it a little bit, you know, especially a while back if you didn't want to get run out of town, you know, or, or whatever. But yes, uh, I, I think that, that, that that's happened more than people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I hate I hate to say it because, you know, sometimes people think of, you know, when people talk, uh, get involved in this, in the dark arts or necromancy or, or you know, devil worship whatever you want to call it whatever but mm-hmm. dark dark mm-hmm. you know that at some point you get your comeuppance you know yep yep and i hate to say there's a lot, bunch of these people that did horrible things during their lifetimes during mm-hmm. the practice or at the behest of whatever their practice was whether it was only them by themselves or whether they were with a group of people and they die in old age by the way mm-hmm. in other words because we always expect that these per- they're gonna get there they're just yeah, sometimes they do stupid stuff and, you know, they, they, they get it. You know, they go to right. jail or they get executed or or they uh, somebody shoots them or, you know, mm-hmm. throws them in the river. But there's a lot of them that they're so good at the disguise part mm-hmm. that they live a lifetime of causing destruction Carnage, and yeah. heartbreak. Um, mm. Pretending to be all the opposite. <laughs> right, that? right. And that we can, oh my gosh. John yes. Wayne Gacy, we can go down the list of them, oh, you know. Of course, of course. I'm, a, I'm a deacon at my church. And then you're like, wait a minute. 
there's something off here, you know. Uh, but yeah, so that that's yeah, it, that's it's, it's, it's 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 it has it, there's a lot of forms that it comes in, and the mm -hmm. monsters don't always have for, monster written across their forehead. And when I say monster, I'm just being you know generalizing, yeah. but what, I'm talking about you know the gen uh, you know mm -hmm. the. I don't want to say the 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 the, the cartoonish or, you know, made up monsters. I'm talking about real true monsters. That, yeah, it's not that, uh, <laughs> Prey on the human body and on the soul. Oh yeah. Well, absolutely, man. I, I'm so excited. You know, I mean, we're getting to it. Yes, you know what I mean? yes, we are. So I want to wish you the best of luck in all your projects, Nathan. Thank I'm you. hoping you're going to come back. I so, would love to. You know, uh, I'll be checking with you, especially once you come out with your other books, so we can talk about your book, God. about your projects, about everything, because it has been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. I feel the same way, Marlene. Thank you for having me. And the stories of the supernatural, hello, guys, and thank you for listening. Thank All you right. for having me. I feel so, so happy. <laughs> thank you, darling. Take care and Happy New Year. Uh, a lot Resident. of good things for you, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Blessings on you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What? I know some of you go, oh, Marlene, let's not talk about that anymore. That's scary. But you know what? If you've been talking, if you've been listening to me before in other shows, depending, of course, on who the uh, guest is that I have and what we're talking about, I've mentioned this before. You know, a lot of people get caught up in this with the paranormal research. Um, and... And I've mentioned that there's people that have certain vulnerabilities. It could be that have no business getting, not even sticking their big toe into the paranormal pool. And some people say, oh, but yeah, it's so exciting. It's like, yeah, but for you, it's going to open up Pandora's box. Got Good luck on closing that again. All right. So, you know what, content yourself. Like I said, you want to go on a tour, you know, a historical tour, maybe legend tripping light. And I'm going to say it again, you know, a lot of so-called haunted places are not really haunted. Maybe, maybe there were once upon a time. Sometimes they've never been haunted, but it's a great gimmick and it makes money for the owners. But every once in a while, you do have a true haunting going there with its when it's even dark and or there was something that's gone never was but somebody's come on the grounds of whatever i'm just talking to let's say let's say some type of historical landmark whatever and they've invoked they've done a ceremony they've done spell work to bring something through that's really dark okay so that's what I'm saying. Some people, it's like, don't do that. Don't, 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 don't go to certain places, especially. And, and I know there's a lot of people out there that the darker, the better, the scarier, the better. You know, if I'm going to go, I want something that's going to like knock me out of my shoes. And I think to myself, you don't want that. Nah, nah you don't really want that. Because when you, when things start happening in your life to or around you and you're like, I don't want to play anymore, it doesn't matter. And again, we were, Nathan was talking about it, how invitations with these type of entities come in a variety of ways, not the way we always think of an invite, as in RSVP, yes, a very clear cut, you're invited or you're not. I never said you're invited, but 
when something is malevolent and dark, it could say, well, I understood it as an invite. You, you showed up, you were there, you tried to communicate with me. Hmm. I thought you, I thought that was an invitation. And you're like, but I technically, technically doesn't matter. <laughs> technically doesn't matter with these things. And um, and, and, and again, I want to stress it. I've said it before uh, when we're talking here, a human spirit, a human soul that's caught in in-between place because we'll... Some of them because they just don't realize or understand they're dead or some that are dead and they don't want to pass on. They're scared. They're afraid. Hell, judgment. Uh, you, you even have some real um, hell raisers that think that heaven is boring. It's like, who wants to go and be praying and going, ha, 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 ha. And to them, they're like, no, I'd rather try to take over a human and keep on having a good old party time. I mean, what I'm saying is, Sometimes there's a lot of reasons why a human soul will get stuck with no body, but not in the presence of the divine. And they, there, uh, they can be manipulated or they become manipulators. A lot of things. And let me tell you something, that thing that he talks about being marked even in the afterlife, that your spirit, basically you are owned by an entity in life and after. That's, that's Think about it. That's a hard thing to, 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 to wrap your head around. Okay. Especially for those people that think, uh, you know, um, when their life is becoming so totally uh, 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 out of that, they're thinking, okay, the, the ultimate uh, escape hatch, I will off myself or have that. And come to find out that, nope, you're right back. You've booted back into... Uh, being held in place from going into the divine by something that claimed you while you were still incarnated in your body. And um, it, 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 I think it points a lot to what is, wh where, where are you at spiritually, okay? And by this, I, and by this, I'm not, I'm not promoting any dogma, any religion, any spiritual. No, no. Because I think that human beings are complex, but at the same time, they're simple. Okay, there's a something in in our spirituality, and I hate to say it, but you know, when we look historically, where sometimes churches or religions had so much sway over people that it was too much, I think sometimes the pendulum has swung too much in the other direction where people want to distance themselves from spirituality or religion or, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, those things that was superstition. That was, um, that's for the weak minded, blah, blah, blah. I, I think that's a mistake. I think that's a mistake. I think that there is a mantle of protection for us as human beings when we have discourse within ourselves spiritually. Uh, almost like the same way you take care of your body, or let's say you have to, then you take care of your spirit. You you honor it. You take care of it. 
uh, the same way that if you cut your finger or you do some type of injury to your body, you take care of it. Same thing with the spirit or the emotions, that you nurture it, that you take care of it. Uh, depending, for some people it's prayer, for some people it's introspection. For some people, depending on your personality, it could be like a, a time, a, a, a time like to like shut down for a little bit to think you know to analyze sometimes stuff in the spiritual takes a little bit for it to like come to the surface like what is it really that's causing this disturbance for you on a spiritual level and address it and by this again i don't mean okay oh oh, oh is that what it is <laughs> they're taken care of sometimes you got to work through things and recognize it and it's a daily thing and people say, well, what? It's something else that I need to do in my long list of to-do lists? You know, and, and by this, again, I want to stress, this doesn't have to be like something lengthy or complicated. I think a lot, there's a lot of stuff out there that's made lengthy and complicated just to make it interesting. And it's not, you know, it could be that protection that you offer yourself spiritually, either by what you expose yourself to watching, listening to, who you're with, or who you're around, what they say, what they put out, that at some point you are honest and have enough self-preservation for yourself. And you go, you know what? This is damaging me. This is not really good for me. Mm, you know? Um, and sometimes, uh, sometimes even, the, let's go with the movies or with programming, whatever. You know, there's times when everything is okay, but there's times where maybe there's certain subjects that you shouldn't watch. And you say, you know what? I'm going to take a time off from this and I'm just going to watch comedies and lighthearted stuff for a bit. Give myself some time to like, you know, even out. That's how you protect yourself. It depends. You know, or, and I've spoken about this, or, you know, I'm normally an introvert, but... I realized I'm I'm becoming antisocial. I want to spend all my time indoors, away from people. You can't do that. And by this, I don't mean, you know, sometimes you need to go out there and be amongst humanity. And by this, I don't mean going up and shaking hands with strangers, because for some people, I mean, I'm one of those. Let's be like, oh, please, no, that's like you're punishing me. If you want. But you know what? There's something as human beings to be amongst other human beings, whether you people watch, you know, maybe you have your spouse or a good friend or whatever, and you, you go, you know, let's go to this cafe and we'll have something to eat and we'll people watch, you know, even if it's a bookstore, you know, like places and let's just talk or just, just hang out and be among humanity. By this, I mean, there's a lot of ways. And, and, and if you think about it, okay, you're not taking care of yourself physically with that exercise. Maybe what you're doing is you're protecting yourself spiritually, mentally, making yourself kind of in balance and harmony, which is always shifting one way to the other. So you lessen your vulnerability, okay, from having one of these attachments take a foothold. When he said that story about that one girl who had, um, he saw a spirit of suicidal tendencies in her or an attachment which turned out to be her grandfather and I asked why her good question why her maybe there was something going on in her life which made her vulnerable 
Maybe her grandfather's intentions were not to hurt her. But we don't know that either, by the way. Her grandfather might have been a real jerk. You know, so we don't know. But let's say again, let's say whether, when she, whether grandpa was a great guy or whether when she was an SOB, why did he pick her? Of, out of all his maybe family members or friends or whoever was around, why her? Vulnerability usually is an answer, is a very good indicator. And I've said it before, there is something there about like attracts like. Anger calls to anger. Sadness calls to sadness. Uh, darkness calls to darkness. And that sometimes is the link, the coupling, you know, where the, 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 it, it, you know, where things like they, you know, one is the receptacle, like the male and the female as in where things they click together is because of that. That's, that is the vulnerability. That is the attraction. Why you and not this person? Because you that you you're, you're vibrating at the same frequency and you're more desirable and you're easier to manipulate you're either you're easier to to be with whatever the reason you know what if uh and this is hypothetical of course but let, let, let's use it her grandpa committed suicide we don't know this man might have done it. Maybe he had really bad ill health and maybe he was under a lot of pain and he decided to kill himself because he just couldn't take it. That happens. Or, but let's, let's, let's go, let's, let's pretend that wasn't it. What if this man was profoundly, profoundly sad and angry or just sad, depressed, really depression, kills himself. Here's his granddaughter. Might not be really in depression, but she's a teenager. Maybe she's going through some difficult times. She's just maybe sad. And you, or, I mean, something could be going on in her life that for some reason this is what calls him. Because he sees this affinity besides the fact that there's blood, that there's a blood tie there. Okay? So, sometimes we have to like I said, take care of ourselves, not only physically, but protect ourselves. And when I say protect, I don't mean as in, you know, I say as in nurture yourself the same way you take a vitamin because as a prevention against getting sick or to maintain your health or you exercise, you do certain things as a prevention, not, in other words, it doesn't, you're not reacting, okay? You're handling you don't want things to manifest. Well, it's the same thing on a spiritual level, which by extension, spirituality and mental, sometimes they're together, sometimes they're apart. Um, we do certain things. And let's face it, and I know sometimes people have a hard time. Nobody is in your skin except you, technically speaking, as in understanding what really makes you tick, what you're really feeling, what you're really thinking. Nobody, no psychiatrist, no psychologist, not even your parents, nobody, your spouse, nobody really truly gets it to the nth degree like you do. Now, it sometimes is a difficult process depending on what's happened to you in your life as, as far as being truthful. 
okay, without wanting to time travel. By this, I mean by not trying to alter things that brought you to where you're at at that point in time of that introspection that you're thinking, what's up with me? Why am I thinking this? Why am I feeling like this? What's what's up? Okay. Get beyond the how you got there in the sense of altering it. You're there. And I feel like this because dot, dot, dot. Well, because of insecurity. Because I feel unloved. Because I... Don't think I'm fulfilling this uh, prototypical person that society thinks I should be. Which, by the way, that's why you see a lot of celebrities or real famous people that commit suicide or do stupid stuff that you think, why would they do that? They've got everything. They've got money, fame. People adore them. They have... Uh, boyfriends girlfriends wives husbands that are like wow uh from the outside they look like these people have the perfect life what happened because they never did that spiritual work of taking care of themselves on a spiritual level okay because you know that saying everywhere you go there you are all those external trappings are great but that does not nurture your soul it really truly doesn't and i hate to say it Nobody can nurture your soul for you except you. There's things that you could use or do. You can go talk to somebody. If you know, uh, you can pray, you can meditate, you can whatever. But those are all tools. And nobody can come in and say, well, you know, you know, like, oh, you know, like you say, oh, I've got a sore muscle. Give me a massage. No, spiritual, spiritually taking care of yourself. The only one that does it is you. The one that puts up boundaries is you, okay? As in, you know what, this this person or this thing I'm doing, it's starting to violate my spiritual boundaries. I got to take care of this. Oh, no, no. Just think about it. Haven't you ever been some, you know, you know how you talk about your, your body space and how we all have one. Some people have bigger ones. Some, you know, people, other people are, but... That we all have one. And that you have maybe somebody you don't know. Like, damn, they stand too close to you. And you're like, man, don't you get the body space thing? Like, why are you so close to me? Like, we... Well, it's the same because they're pushing against our boundaries. There's something there, especially when it's a stranger. We don't know. Well, it's the same thing, okay? That, that you have these boundaries in your spiritual life. That when somebody, through their words or their actions or something... Or even like I said, something that you're seeing or being uh, exposed to, you feel it's violating your spiritual boundaries. And you're like, there's a part of you that should say, no, no, this, nope, nope. Either this person's got to go. I'm not going to be exposed to this. I'm backing off. I'm backing down. I'm moving away. Uh... That is part of taking care of yourself. That is part of self-preservation. Self-preservation is not only preserving your body and your human life. It's preserving all of you. Okay? And by this, I mean that this is the beginning of making yourself safe from the type of attachments that Nathan was talking about. Okay? And by the way, 
this is a daily thing. This is a daily assessment that you have about, you know, that you're important. You're important to yourself. There's nothing, by the way, there's nothing to be with conceited. This has nothing to do with you being, uh, uh, people say, oh, well, you know, you take yourself too seriously. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. And by the way, yes, you should take yourself seriously. Of course. And you know, and you know I say that tongue in cheek, but what I'm saying is when it comes to stuff like that, yes, absolutely. You got to take yourself seriously. And you got to pay attention to stuff that somehow or other, like I said, that ting-a-ling-a-ling gets, goes off and you're like, man, this is, just doesn't feel right. You know? Uh, and sometimes it's better to retreat and examine it and protect yourself and keep those boundaries out where they should be. Because, I mean, there's a lot of repercussions that come down the pike for people uh, depending on the decisions they make about things of this. And again, this has nothing to do with dogma. This has nothing to do with real, uh, religion, one religion or the other. Nothing, none, zero. This has to do with us as incarnated beings with a spirit and a soul inside of us. Okay, and how important that is more than you think. Believe me, more than you think, and I've said it before. But anyway, guys, let me get off my soapbox. <laughs> I hope you like this show. Uh, I'm going to have a link to Nathan's website on the credits of the show, so please visit it. I'm hoping to bring him back 2020. I'll be checking with him to see maybe when the new book comes out so we can bring him back on and talk about his new book and about other experiences, other cases that he's had. I've had a lot of new great uh, guests lined up. And again, uh, you've been seeing slides. I came out with my two most uh, fiction. They're supernatural, horror, fantasy, urban. You got I, I, Sometimes I lose track of what the genre is, which is uh, Walker Between the Worlds, Book One of the Civil Chronicles, and Diabolique, a civil novella. I'm going to be coming out with another one, maybe two this year and in the meantime I'm also submitting a lot of um, I'm working on some uh, anthologies horror anthologies supernatural eh, submitting some short stories uh, and I'm going to put out the call like I always have if you're a true believer and you've got some neat experience please send it to me second if you don't want to talk you know directly me record you I'll do it for you when I remain anonymous I'll do it for you. I have no problem. Believe me. I'm, I know how to keep secrets. No, and the, all kidding aside, I, I'm, I honor somebody's wish for discretion and confidentiality. I do not violate that. I don't. I don't. Absolutely not. To me, it's a, a question about ethics and morality. When somebody says, this is a secret, or don't say my name, or don't... Guaranteed, I will not do it. Mm-mm. So, if you want to talk about something, experience, first-hand experience, second-hand family, something you heard of, and it's neat, it's creepy, whatever, let me know. So again, guys, thank you so very much for being part of my audience. Again, you are all wonderful. I'm going to wish you again the best of good things, good things for you and yours now for 2020 and thereafter. Take care.